Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 190 for the 18th of March, 2015. I'm Chester Wisniewski, coming to you live from CBIT in Hanover, Germany, and I'm here with Paul Ducklin once again. Hey, Paul, how are you today? I'm great, Chester. So you're in the biggest IT show in the world. I'm in, I'm in a more boutique environment, but still in a sort of convention environment. So we've both got mixed noises behind us. I hope our listeners will forgive us for being in the thick of things today. Well, I was, I was meeting with a journalist yesterday, and they specifically wanted to be out in the show to pick up the ambient noise for the excitement and buzz of the conference. So I guess we'll just have to uh, have that in the chat chat as well. Yes, there'll be plenty of buzz, at least at my end. And the conference has been uh, you know, pretty interesting. We've completed our second day here, and it's been very busy at our stand. And I, I guess, as usual, I'm quite fortunate compared to a lot of folks in that I can wander around and take a look at what's happening and uh, not, not necessarily uh, have to sit in one spot all day. But it's interesting, isn't it, that, you're, the, that the CBIT event isn't specifically about security. It's actually an IT conference, and yet... The themes, such as they are, the official themes are security and privacy. And if you think 10 years ago, you imagine IT conferences just weren't themed that way. They were all about doing storage more cheaply or getting more bandwidth for your money or embracing outsourcing, things like that. It was more about how you were going to do more with less and not necessarily about how you were going to do whatever you did more carefully. So perhaps that's a good sign. It is, it is a good sign, and uh, you know, there's, there's several pavilions around that are specifically just for security talks, for presentations, and there definitely is a, a, a heightened awareness of security for a generic IT conference, right? Uh, you know, our booth has been jam-packed full of people the entire time of the show here. Good. Uh, I just hope that translates into people taking security that little bit more seriously. As we've said so many times, if we all do a little bit extra, it makes it so much harder for the crooks because they only need a few doorways to get into the average organization. Uh, the more doors we keep closed, the harder it is for them, the better for everyone else. Precisely. And uh, speaking of the, the topic of crime, I mean, we, have, we always unfortunately have stories about malware. And uh, our colleague uh, Jay Z out of the Boston office posted to the Naked Security blog a story about some new ransomware. And it, it, well, it's not entirely different than ransomware we're used to, like crypto locker, crypto wall, crypto fence, crypto defender, whatever it might be. This particular one's called Tesla Crypt and looks like it's targeting online video gamers. Now, I mean, with a name like Tesla Crypt, I just assumed that it somehow was going to monkey with my, my new electric car that I can't afford. But No, no, it fries you in a field of AC static. Uh, actually, I, to be honest, I don't know why it's called Tesla. It certainly pays homage to CryptoLocker because when it installs itself, it actually creates a link called CryptoLocker. But my understanding from the guys in Sophos Labs is it actually doesn't share any code. It is a new, a re-implementation of ransomware. Same idea, scrambles your files, uses public key cryptography where they have the private key and you don't. So the only way to get your data back, if you don't have a backup, is pay the money. The differences are they've broadened the brush with which they paint a little bit. In particular, they've added uh, online gaming files, things like stored games and stuff like that, uh, presumably hoping that gamers will be so desperate to get that data back that they'll pay. And they've upped the price very slightly. That price point of $300 we've talked about so often before, uh, they're actually asking for uh, one and a half bitcoins, which is just about $400, or you can pay by UCash instead, and that will cost you 400 quid, 600 US dollars. So uh, looks like they're trying to squeeze for a bit more money. 
Well, they say they'll delete your private key, and I'm just thinking, if I'm an innocent victim out there that doesn't really know much about cryptography, what you know, deleting my private key doesn't mean anything to me. Like, I, I guess it's it's a little bit uh, too much uh, uh, jargon. So I wonder if they'll they'll continue to advance in addition to asking for mo- more money, but maybe advance their marketing message. I hope not. <laughs> On this one, there's actually a button you can click that allows you to send a message to the crooks so they can help you out. So you can ask that question. I, I actually did that on a, uh, a previous version of Crypto Wall for a journalist. On her behalf, I managed to uh, get a machine uh, held hostage and was exchanging messages with the crooks trying to see if they would be interviewed by the journalist. And while they were quite polite, they did decline. Ah, so it seems that they maybe they don't trust their uh, anonymity to the internet quite as much as we might be led to believe one can. Perhaps not, and uh, that that makes that makes me happy. Although it would have been uh, interesting to to, to have a uh, interview with them. Now, uh, in other news, we talked about Patch Tuesday last week, I believe it was, and unfortunately, it's sort of a bit of Groundhog Day, a bit late in the year. We're going back to the reboot loop. That was a fix that was meant to fix a reboot loop, I think. You wrote this up. What's the story? Yes. Oh, dear. Uh, back in October 2014, Microsoft pushed out a an update. It wasn't a, a security patch that you needed to prevent some kind of security meltdown. It was actually an investment for the future where they were adding SHA-2 code signing to older versions of Windows so they could re- retire SHA-1, the older cryptographic hash altogether. So Microsoft was trying to invest for the future. They had some problem with this update in October last year, so they had to rescind it, to use their jargon, and they reissued it this month, March 2015, uh, again not as a security patch, as an advisory, and unfortunately it actually messed up your regular updates. It seems there was a conflict with one of the security bulletins, one of the patches you actually needed, an elevation of privilege bug in the kernel. Uh, Not a good look for Microsoft, and as we have often pointed out, the real problem is it'll put people on the back foot about proper security patches in the future. Yeah, this is interesting to me because Microsoft appears to be moving to what the Linux community would call a rolling release model. You're always kind of on the latest and you really don't stay back. They've got halfway there, Chester. They've got to the rolling reboot model. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that. I mean, well, but that's, of course, for traditional operating systems, let's call them, right? Windows 7, a, a fixed release version where you have to get patches on Update Tuesday. This is not really where they're going with Windows 10. Like um, Windows 10, the OS sort of refreshes the kernel, any fixes it needs on a rolling basis. So Microsoft can publish updates anytime they want, and you automatically consume them. If they make these kind of mistakes in a rolling release model like Windows 10, that could be really disastrous because that means there's no time for control and QA. Uh, I don't. I, this stuff makes me nervous. Well, on the other hand, you could argue that if with a rolling release model, you don't get this no buses come and then three come along at once problem. Um, Because it seems here that the issue is that they're actually delivering security bulletins, you know, really important patches and security advisories at the same time. And it's the advisory that's messing with the bulletin. The thing that you don't actually need right now and that you could have got in the middle of the month is actually messing with something that you do need now because it fixes an important bug. So maybe the rolling model is actually a little more forgiving in that you can update one thing at a time and it either works or it doesn't. And therefore, you won't get uh, a critical update and a non-critical update going to war with one another. 
yeah, you do certainly end up with a more consistent base platform, right? Uh, yeah, maybe you got a point there. I've been thinking for a while now when I heard about things like six terabyte hard disks that like rules of physics must apply at some point and this this merry show is going to come to an end. And it looks like it's beginning to unravel, doesn't it? I mean, there's some issues with DRAM and bit flipping. If you remember cassette tapes, you'll remember that if you had a if you had one of your favorite music tapes but you didn't play it for a while, so the tape just sat there without ever winding and unwinding and changing its position, then between songs, you'd start to hear an echo of the music at the very end of the song before, because the magnetism would basically bleed through from one rotation of the tape to the next, because the tape was very thin and magnets interact. And it seems that we're at that level now with DRAM, Dynamic Random Access Memory, which is really just a very densely packed grid of electrical capacitors. And it's been known for a year or more that by repeatedly reading uh, one or more uh, next to each other memory addresses, you may be able to cause uh, pseudo-random bit flipping in the rows of capacitors that are next to them on the actual DRAM die. And of course that's bad if you don't have error correcting or error detecting memory, then that can corrupt things, it can cause crashes, maybe denial of service. So it's always going to be bad. Uh, but the Google folks at Project Zero wondered, would it be possible, even if you couldn't predict what bits were going to flip in advance, could you actually, by hammering away at your DRAM, actually make changes that were exploitable? And they found that by messing with page tables, which is a map of memory, rather than trying to influence individual bits specifically, that they were able to uh, pull off a kernel exploit on a specially lightly loaded Linux system. So the answer is, can you use this row hammering capacitor interference bit flipping effect uh, to pwn a machine? The answer is very guardedly, yes. So we may see some uh, technological changes in DRAM in the next few years. Who knows? I mean, the point is they accomplished it, and it's a cautionary tale, and we do need to pay attention and perhaps uh, consider our physical engineering of things, not just the software engineering of things when we, when we uh, consider security, right? So the last story I wanted to talk about was related to iPhone security, and it's actually interesting especially to me because I, I saw a demonstration almost identical that was done uh, a, a little over a year ago at a conference I was at at a university, and the researcher that was speaking before me had actually built a little robot that uh, uh, pointed a, a pointer down and could tap out the pin codes uh, to brute force passcodes on an iPhone. If it didn't win in, say, a thousand tries, did it get really annoyed and smash its little robotic hand down on the iPhone and smash the screen? No, but that would have been kind of cool. And at the time, I just thought, well, you know, most people, I would hope, would have a, you know, 10 passcode limit. But there's a little more to this story, right? Yes, this one is robotic, but it doesn't actually tap the screen. Uh, it actually uses the USB cable. So the USB cable acts as the conduit for the simulated key presses. Uh, and by having an optical sensor, it can work out from how the light changes on the screen when it's got the right pin, which means that it knows pretty quickly that it got the wrong one, and when it does, it cuts the power almost immediately. And apparently, it's possible to do that quickly enough before the iPhone or the version of iOS he was using is able to write back the diminished counter that says you've only got nine goes, you've only got eight goes, you've only got seven goes left. So after the reboot, you're back with your 10 goes, even if the user has the so-called erase data option set. 
The good news, of course, it takes about 40 seconds per pin attempt. So it's only really tractable if you have a four or a five digit pin. As soon as you get to a six digit pin, this machine is gonna take more than a year. If you have an eight digit pin, you're looking at about a century of time, by which time I doubt Apple is going to be supporting the iPhone version that you have. Of course, that's all assuming that you're not using a guessable pin. If your six digit pin is one, two, three, four, five, six, it probably will take 40 seconds. Yes, uh, very good point. Even if you have a 10-digit passcode, you still have to choose wisely. Most attacks actually combine a dictionary and brute force, so although your goal is to try every possible combination, you try the more obvious ones first. And that means that if you haven't chosen wisely, you are the low-hanging fruit to the crooks. Well, uh, we mentioned it last week, but uh, the Chet Chat is now five years and one day old. So, yeah! Uh, thank you very much for your help in uh, achieving that milestone. And now we have five more years before we get to celebrate again. And to all the listeners who are also Naked Security readers, who left us very kind comments when we mentioned that on Naked Security, thank you all so much. And yes, we do aim to be uh, celebrating the 10th anniversary in five years, lesser days time. And on that note, I'll conclude Software Security Chat Chat CBIT 2015 edition. As always, for the latest security news, please visit https colon slash slash nakedsecurity.sophos.com. All of our podcasts are available on iTunes via RSS on the TuneIn app or at soundcloud.com slash Security. Until next time, stay secure.